to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. We're beginning a series today for Easter. We're simply calling it Easter. And today I want to talk about take up your cross. So I'm really excited. We're going to talk about uh, a certain character in the crucifixion story today. And here it is, Mark chapter 15, verses 21, 22. Then they, the Roman soldiers, compelled a certain man, <clears throat> Simon a Cyrenian, the father of Alexander and Rufus, as he was coming out of the country and passing by to bear Jesus' cross. And they brought him, brought Jesus, to the place Golgotha, which is translated place of a skull. You can be seated. Keep your Bibles open there because I'm going to be referring to this. So here's what's happening in this story. I want to give you a backdrop where you can understand. Jesus has been up all night. He is under tremendous stress and duress. Uh, he has the weight of the world on him because he's, he knows he's about to die. And he's going to die a, a very ignominious death, a cruel death on a Roman cross. Um, the Jews have beaten him. So now it's the day of the crucifixion. The Romans have scourged him. And if you don't understand that, they took a whip with thongs that had on the end of it acorn-shaped lead balls, bits of bone, nails. They put it into his back and just ripped. They plowed furrows of flesh away in his back. History tells us that sometimes you could look in and see the organs in a person's body. They would rip so much flesh away. Blood is all over his back, running down his legs, caked on his legs, on his feet. He is weak from fatigue and loss of blood. He is in a bad shape. Now, he is on the way down the Via Della Rosa to Golgotha to be crucified. Roman law said that the criminal was to carry the cross to the place of execution. Guys, Jesus was a man's man. He was strong. He was a carpenter. He was a blue-collar worker. He was a strong man. But in his weakened condition with anemia and the loss of blood, he could not do it. We couldn't do it. And so he got partway down the Via Della Rosa, collapsed, and the Roman soldiers then pressed into service someone to carry the cross, and they grabbed a man named Simon. Now, who is this character named Simon? Mark identifies him as Simon a Cyrene. Cyrene was located in North Africa, present-day Libya. It was the capital city of a Roman uh, province there, area. And history tells us that there was a very large population of Greek-speaking Jews that lived in that area, up to 100,000. And I have heard before that Simon was a black man from Africa who carried the cross of Jesus. Really and truly, I don't think that's true. Simon is a Jewish name, like Simon Peter. So most likely this was a Greek-speaking Jewish man living in this large population of Jews in Cyrene who came to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. And uh, he, he walks in and the Bible says that they grabbed him and they compelled him to carry this cross. And that word in the Greek means that a Roman official or soldier has the authority 
to press into service a person or his equipment or his horses or his family members, usually without advance warning. So you can imagine the look on Simon's face as he and his family are headed this direction and the crucifixion execution procession is heading this direction. He's minding his own business. It's eight to nine o'clock in the morning. You have the Passover sacrifice at six o'clock. He's trying to get in Jerusalem, buy a lamb, get a place, get everything in order so that he can get the Passover when suddenly he's grabbed and made to carry the cross of Jesus. Now I'm gonna come back to Simon in just a minute. That's the story. But as I was preparing for this message today, I knew that at this point, I need to tell you something that is very, very important you need to know. Because I look across this room and I know most of you are born again. You're, you're believers in Jesus Christ. And hallelujah, we had one precious saint who got saved and now she is. She came in a sinner, but now she's a saint. And so we need to understand today that if you're gonna be a follower of Jesus, Jesus has given his own command. And the Roman soldiers commanded Simon, but you, you gotta know this. He, Jesus has given his own command for you to take up a cross. You have to take up a cross. The story is Mark chapter eight. So I'm gonna come back to Simon in just a minute. But in Romans chapter eight, you start around verse 31. Jesus is with his disciples. He's teaching them and then he stops and he says, I gotta tell y'all something. In just a matter of days, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm gonna suffer many things. I'm gonna be killed by the Jews and then I'm gonna rise again three days later. And this is what he shares with them. Peter looks at him and says, uh-uh, no, 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 this can't happen. No, 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 guys, hold on a minute. And he grabs Jesus by the arm and pulls him. The disciple grabs the master. That ain't the way it works. And he grabs the rabbi and pulls him over here forcefully away from the 11 and says, now look, you gotta stop talking like this. This is not gonna work. You're killing the morale over here. You're not gonna die. You understand me? You are, you're gonna set up an earthly kingdom. We're gonna rule and reign with you. So you gotta stop this. And Jesus, can you imagine the look on Jesus' face at this point? You know, he's like, is this happening? And the Bible says he turns and he notices that the 11 are watching the whole thing. So then he turns back to Peter and says something to him that I would not want anybody to call me, much less Jesus. He said, get behind me, Satan. Because you don't have in mind the things of God. You have in mind the things of men. And I can see him turn around, walking him, leaving there. And he comes back over to the 11. Well, Peter comes sulking back over. You know, he feels like an idiot. And Jesus comes over, and we're gonna read the rest of it on the screen. This is what he says to the rest of the disciples plus another group that was there. He said, let me tell you how this thing's gonna work. Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, do you see that? And follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. For what will it profit a man? if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So, so you have to understand what Jesus is saying. If you want to be my follower, you have to deny yourself. You have to say no to yourself. You have to say no to your fleshly, sinful desires that scream, let's sin. You have to say, no, we're not gonna do that anymore. It's called repentance. And then you have to take up the cross and you have to follow Jesus. And what does it mean to follow Jesus? It means you follow him. You follow him. As a matter of fact, you follow him so closely that you become like him. 
You become like him in character and you follow his teachings, which means you obey everything the Lord tells you to do. But now let's go back up to this take up your cross thing. What does it really mean to take up the cross of Jesus? Now, I know we can make a list today, and I, I was tempted to go look at what other people said, but the Lord constrained me and said, oh, the answer is right here in what Jesus said. So I started reading that text again that we just read, and I realized the answers are right there. I'm going to tell you today what it means to take up the cross of Jesus. You ready? Here's what it means. Number one, you change sides. You are on the devil's side. Jesus looked at Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You're in league with the devil. God wants me, the Father wants me to go to the cross and you're trying to stop me. And anytime you try to stop the will of God, that puts you in the camp of the devil. And, and so here's what happens. When you're a sinner, you're on the devil's team. When you're a sinner, you're a child of the devil. But I'm here to tell you this morning, when you get saved and you take up the cross of Jesus, there is a transfer of membership and you get off the devil's team and you get on God's team. You be no longer a child of hell. You become a son or a daughter of God. You're on God's team and salvation liberates you to be on the, and so what does that mean? Satan is no longer in charge. Satan is no longer in control. Satan is no longer calling the shots. Satan is no longer influencing your decisions, but it means Jesus becomes the Lord of your life and Jesus becomes the leader of your life. That's why I preach for years. When you get saved, you don't just receive, receive him as Savior. You receive him as Lord. He is in charge of your life from this point on. So what are you doing when you take up the cross? You are dying to the influence and the power of the devil. The de listen to me. You don't have to listen to the devil anymore. You don't have to listen to what the devil tells you to do anymore. If the devil says, you, 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 you but you're a sinner. You say, oh no, I'm not. I'm saved. If the devil says, but you, you, but you are a drug addict, you say, oh no, I'm not. I've been set free. The devil says, but, but you're an alcoholic. You said, oh no, I don't, I don't drink anymore because God has liberated me. You don't. You tell the devil the truth and say, you're not in charge of my life anymore. You're not going to tell me what to do anymore. Only Jesus can tell me what to do with my life. I live my life to serve Jesus. I take up the cross so everybody who sees me knows that I belong to Jesus. You change sides. The second thing you do is you change your mind. He said, Peter, you don't have in mind the things of God. You have in mind the things of men. But I'm here to tell you, when you take up the cross and God saves you, it reverses. And instead of having the things of men on your mind, you have the things of God in mind. In other words, what matters the most to God now matters the most to you. So you die to the power and the sway of your flesh. The Bible says to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And so when you take up the cross and you get saved, you embrace God's perspective on life rather than a sinful perspective on life. Let me read to you Galatians 5.24. <clears throat> and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh. See the cross? have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. You need to know this today because the devil's been lying to some of you. When you get saved, I don't know what you were bound up in before, but you, when you get saved and you take up the cross, you die to the power and the influence of your flesh. Your flesh can't tell you what to do anymore. It's gonna scream. We have this treasure in jars of clay, so as long as you're in a body. I remember Lorraine Livingston was preaching one time. He said, you can fast for 21 days till your eyes are sunk in your head, but guys, you come out of it, and the first good-looking girl walks by, your eyes gonna pop back out of your head. 
because we're in the flesh. But listen, just because the flesh screams to do something, you are dead. You could go to a dead man. Oh God. You could go to a dead man and say, hey, get up. He's not going to listen to you. You could say, you're nobody. He's not going to listen to you. I want you to do what I tell you to do. The dead man's not going to listen. Why? Because he's dead. And that's how you are to your flesh. When your flesh says, smoke a cigarette, go get, go get drunk, go do this, go do that, go, go lie to this person, go hit that person. You can say, oh no, I know what you want to do, but I'm not going to do that anymore. You are freed from the power of your flesh. You tell the flesh no, and you tell the Spirit of God yes. I'm going to preach a while. I feel like preaching today. You, when you die, when you take up the cross, you say no to the liquor bottle. When you say no, when you take up the cross, you may say no to the beer bottle. When you take up the cross, you say no to the illegal drugs. When you take up the cross, you say no to pornography. When you take up the cross, you say no to gambling. When you take up the cross, you say no to any illicit sexual desires or activities. I'm preaching today. When you take up the cross, you say no to rage. You have the power to say no and say yes to God to do what's right. You counteract offenses with grace. You counteract mistakes with mercy. You counteract people cussing you out by blessing. When you take up the cross, the third thing it does is that it means you change your motives. Rather than preserving a sinful lifestyle conformed to the pattern of this very corrupt world, you live a life that's godly. You choose to live a godly life. So when you take up a cross, things change. Your pursuits change. Your passions change. Your priorities change. You sacrifice your kingdom for God's kingdom. You sacrifice your agenda for God's agenda. You give up the temporal for the eternal. So to put it in a word, you, or words, you die to the influence of the world. Now understand me, I'm not saying you gotta be good, you know, become a monk and move in a monastery and live a Spartan life. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about having a job and starting a career or starting a business and, and being productive and even being successful. That's not, that is, this has nothing to do with that. If you can be successful, you ought to be successful. You ought to do great at what you do. That's not, has nothing, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a sinful world and a world system that is anti-God, anti-Bible, anti-Jesus, and that tries to suck you in and say you need to think our way and make decisions our way and embrace our wisdom. That's what I'm talking about. And, and get into our agenda and do things our way. You have to say no because your way is counter to God's way and I'm not doing your way anymore. The Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Right? So when you take up the cross, you realize that the wisdom of this world is nothing but mere foolishness. And I'm here to tell you this morning, you better listen to me. The world can never give you what Jesus can give you. The world will make empty promises, but the world can't give you. A, the world will tell you, we'll make you happy, but they won't make you happy. I, we used to sing a song, said, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. This joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. This joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. The world didn't give it to me, and the world can't take it away. Don't you buy into the lie of the devil and the world and the flesh that the only way you can be happy in life is to buy into the things of this world. That's a lie. I may be in this world, but I'm telling you today, I refuse to be of this world. I'm marching to a different drumbeat. I'm just passing through this world. I have my citizenship in heaven and that's where I'm headed don't you can't get wrapped up in this world if you do it'll kill your spiritual life Jesus said you have to lose some things before you can gain some things 
People just get so busy grabbing, grabbing, grabbing at the things of this world, thinking they're going to miss out. When you get Jesus, you get everything. I used to sing in a group and we used to sing a song, I lost it all to find everything. I died a pauper to be born a king. It's when I learned how to lose that I found how to win. I lost it all to find everything. Now to just put it plainly, to take up the cross means to change your life. You no longer insist on your own will and your wants and your wishes and your desires. Let me tell you another lie of the devil. Another lie of the devil and the flesh in your world is that the more you gratify yourself, the happier you'll be. So whatever you want, go after it. It doesn't matter if it's wrong, morally wrong. It doesn't matter if it's going to destroy your marriage or destroy your family or jeopardize your career, your job. It doesn't matter. Just go after it. But here's the reality. Sin and the devil and your flesh and the world, if you try to do what you want to do to gratify yourself, they will use that to put you in bondage. We just talked about a chain breaker. It'll, they'll put you in bondage. And instead of being happy, you will be the most miserable person in the world because the world will never satisfy you. Last time I checked, only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Only he can cleanse your heart and make you whole. The world can't take my sins away. The world can't fix what's wrong in my marriage. The world can't make my kids straighten up and act right. The world can't meet my financial need. Only Jesus can satisfy every need and desire of my life. Somebody asked John D. Rockefeller, who was one time the richest man in America. They said, Mr. Rockefeller is a reporter. He said, Mr. Rockefeller, you're the richest man in America. He said, when are you going to have enough money? Mr. Rockefeller replied, when I have just a little bit more. And that's how the world does it. You think, you'll, you, you think you're getting it, but it's never enough. I have a friend of mine named Paul. Paul and I grew up together, went to youth camp together. Paul had an extraordinary thing happen in his life and his career. He went to work for Nike. Anybody ever heard of Nike? You know, swish. And so he went to work for Nike out in Oregon and had the dream, man, lived the dream. He was in a certain division of Nike, went all the way to the top. He was vice president in a division of Nike. And that's as high as he could go. He had the parking space. He had the, 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 the corner office. He had the big salary in the package, all the perks, everything. He arrived. He said for a little while, it was cool, man. I walk in that big office in Nike, and here I am. I'm vice president, all these people under me. He said, and after a while, that wore off. And he said, I sat in my office one day and I said, this is it? This is it? I've arrived and this is it? He said, it doesn't, it doesn't satisfy. Now, Paul's a Christian. And he said, you know what I did? I said, what'd you do? Paul was asking. He said, I quit. He said, I quit Nike. And he said, I started my own business and did some things to help people. And you know what else he's done? He came back to Greenville, which is his home here in the area. You know what he did? Guess what? This is cool. He said, I think I'll go help a new pastor with a new church. His name's Scott Taylor over at Turning Point, And he's over there helping a church. See, that's what fulfills him. It's not the world and the things of this world. It's the kingdom of God and what Jesus has in store. And yet so many people refuse to carry the cross. Why, Pastor Chris, if, if all, that's, all that's true, all that good stuff will happen in your life, why wouldn't everybody do that? Well, I, I could have come up with some reasons. I could have read books and stuff, but the Lord told me again. He said, no, 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 no. He said, it's right here. It's right here in the story. 
I said, wow, it is. So I'm going to give you three people in the crucifixion story that gives you the reasons why some people don't take up the cross. The first one's Simon Peter. Simon Peter, you know, we just talked about him, wrote Mark 8. Simon said to Jesus, oh, Lord, I'll die with you. I don't know about the rest of these guys over here, but I'll die with you, Lord. He got dramatic. People's choice awards. Die with you, Lord. And Jesus looked at him and he's thinking, yeah, right. You have no idea what you're going to do. Matter of fact, I think I'm going to tell you. You're going to deny me three times. Oh, no, 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 no. Not me. No, no, you're wrong. Tell God he's wrong. That's smart, isn't it? Oh, you're wrong. You're wrong. Jesus said, okay. The night of the betrayal. Here comes Judas with a squad of soldiers. And a fisherman tried to wield a sword. He didn't wield it. He flailed. (laughs) Cut off a guy's ear. and I, I mean, that's like surgery. That's not warfare. Jesus healed it. Peter drops a sword and runs for his life. Flees. Well, you got to give the guy some credit because he did come back to to the high priest's house where they took Jesus in in the middle of the night to do a trial. He did come back. He's trying to get the courage. All the other disciples have fled. John's in there with him. John's courageous. He goes in the room because he knew the high priest. He's standing right with Jesus. He's the only one. Peter's like, well, if John can do it, I'm older than John. I, you know, if John can do it, I need to be doing this. So he's sneaking his way into the courtyard. He won't go in, but he's sneaking his way. And, and this little girl says, you're one of them, aren't you? Oh, no, 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 I'm not one of his. And I bet he's thinking, what are you doing? What are you doing? Another guy asked him, said, you're with him, right? You're with Jesus. Here's his chance. Uh, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not with him. And Peter's thinking, why did I say that? And then the little girl comes back and she's, yeah, you're, you, he's from Galilee, you're from Galilee, you know, you're, it's like go up north and you hear somebody from the south, you, they just stick out, you know, or you bring somebody up north and bring them to the south, they stick out, you know, use guys, you know, they stick out. And so he, his, his accent stuck out. And she said, oh, I already asked you once. I'm asking you, you are one of them. And he cusses. He uses a vow. He doesn't like, you know, use a bad word. He uses profanity and takes a vow and says, I, I'm, I swear, I, I do not know that man. And the rooster crows. And he denies him three times. He flees and leaves. You know why? He was afraid. He was scared to death what it would cost him. He was afraid that it would cost him his life. He knew that they're taking Jesus and this is getting serious and they, they, they want to kill him. And he's thinking, if I'm with him, they may want to kill me. You know why some people won't take up the cross? Same reason, they're scared. They hear a message like this and they know they want to get saved and the Holy Spirit's drawing them and they're like, I, got I know the Lord wants me to get right with him. He's pulling me, but I don't want, I'm afraid of what it'll cost me. And I'm afraid that I'll lose my friends and I'm afraid that I won't be popular anymore. And I might even lose my job. I just, you're, it's going to cost me too much. You're asking me to change my life. I'm, I'm, I'm moved in with a girl. You, you mean I got to move out with her and I love this guy and we're having sex and you're telling me I, I can't do that anymore. There are all these changes in my life and I got to bad temper and now you're telling me that I can't have that bad temper anymore you're just too much it's going to cost me too much I'm afraid of the cost and people will say I'm not going to do it see they're afraid and so they run the second one is Simon and Cyrene I'm going to come back to him in just a minute but they're but look do you think that guy that guy wanted to carry Jesus cross no he's just trying to get into Jerusalem to take care of religious responsibilities and now they messed everything up 
And do you know there are tons of people today that love being religious, but they don't want Jesus. Oh yeah, might be a few in this building. Probably in a lot of churches around here in Anderson County right now. See, when you're religious, we're in the South. On Sunday morning, you go to church. You go to church. That's what, that's what we do in the South, in the Bible Belt. And you know, if somehow you can sneak it in, you might even join. Or you're not saved, but somehow they let you in. And you'll throw a few dollars in the plate because that's what religious people do. And then you make a list. It's your own list. It's usually a little short list, and it's an easy list of things that you do. And then this is what you say, because I've had people say it to me. Well, God and I have an understanding. Right. I've had them say that to me. Well, God and I have this thing. I have an understanding. I'm thinking, no, you got, you got an understanding. God's up there shaking his head going, no, I don't understand anything you're doing. But you create a little rules box, a little list box, and then you keep those little rules. You just, and then in your mind, you're thinking, God's winking at you saying, you're okay. Everything's fine. You just do that, you're in. Don't worry about it. Everything's cool. And so you just do this, and it's religious. But if somebody preaches like this and says, oh, no, you have a relationship with Christ, and you've got to give him everything, and you've got to sacrifice, and it's not about religion. It is about having this relationship with him and abiding with him and talking with him and being his servant and serving him. People say, whoa, 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 that's, that's asking too much. I'm just happy with my little religious life. Leave me alone, and they won't take up a cross. Then there are the Roman soldiers. Now, the Roman soldiers, if you read verse 22, I read it before. It says, and they brought him. Now, in the Greek, that word brought means to carry. The translator said brought, but I mean, if you carry something, you're bringing it. But, but it means to carry. So here's what happens. Jesus collapses from fatigue. He can't even, he just can't function. And, and the loss of blood. The Roman soldiers have got to get him to Calvary. They got to do their job. They got to execute this guy. So... One or two of them pick him up, throw his arms around him, and half carry, half drag him to Golgotha. They brought him up there. Why? Not because of any reason other than they got to get him killed and get the job done. That leaves the cross beam. Usually wasn't the whole cross. The upright was already at Golgotha. But the cross beam's laying there. Well, why didn't the Roman soldiers pick it up too? You know why? Because he's a Roman. And that's beneath him. He's too proud to carry a cross. He's going to get somebody else to carry the cross. Watch this. He didn't have any problem with somebody else carrying the cross as long as he didn't have to carry the cross. You ever met anybody like that? They find out you're saved. They say, oh, that's so admirable. I really think that's nice that you, you, you have that kind of religion and you serve Jesus and all that. That's, you go to church. I, I, I really think that's something. That's special. And then you say, well, what about you? Would you like to accept Jesus? Oh, no, 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 no. That's, that's not for me. And in their mind, they're thinking, that's for you because you need it. But I'm above that. See, I've got my life together. I got it all together and I've got plans and I'm, I'm, you don't know how tough I am and the resources I have and the people that I know. And Jesus, now he'll just get in my way. That's beneath me. I don't mind if you carry the cross. You go right ahead, but not me. I want to go back to Simon. Simon carried the cross, and it had a profound effect on him that day. It changed a lot of things. It changed his plans. It changed his direction. He was going this way and had to turn around and go this way. It changed his appearance. Can you imagine the blood 
that was all over that cross beam. The Roman soldier said, pick it up. Simon gets down and grabs that heavy thing and it's, drops it and goes, oh, and he's got blood all over his hands. Picks it up. Romans, pick it up. So he picks it up, pulls it on his shoulder, and blood's up against his face and in his beard and in his hair. And on it, so it's getting all over his face. Oh, man, it's all over my clothes. And he starts dragging blood everywhere. It changed his plans. It changed his direction. And it changed his appearance. Let the preacher stop right now and tell you when you come to Calvary, and you get saved, and you take up the cross, it'll change your plans. It'll change your direction because you were headed to hell. But when you take up the cross, you head to heaven, and it'll change your appearance. You get saved today. That lady who got saved today, I don't know if you work, but if you do and you go to work tomorrow, people are going to look at you and say, what? has happened to you boy you must have had a good weekend because you got some kind of look on your how come you got that dumb grin on your face what happened to you something's different I've been working with you here all for years and in the last hour you don't talk the same you don't act the same there's something different about you did you party a lot this weekend or would you have a date this week what happened to you, do you that's how the world thinks and that's which when you look at him and say let me tell you what happened to me I went to a church called high praises Sunday and I went to the altar and I, I gave my life to Jesus and I ask him forgive me of my sins and I'm saved and I'm a daughter of God, a child of God right now. That's what's different about me. I don't have any more fear. I don't have any more guilt for everything I've done wrong. All my shame is gone. I slept like a baby last night. I've got love that I can't understand. Peace. I have the greatest peace in the world. I have joy. I can't get this smile off my face. It'll change the way you look. It'll change who you are when you take up the cross of Jesus Christ. I think most of all, it changed him. I think when he carried the cross and he finally got to Golgotha, he dropped it. I don't think that he looked at the Roman and said, are you done now? Is that enough? Yeah, go on. We don't need you anymore. And he headed back to Jerusalem. I don't think that. He was too invested. Would you leave? I don't think I'd leave if I carried the guy's cross. By the way, I'm going to throw this in here. I think he had his family with him. So could you see him when they grab him? He's looking at them like, and his wife's like, he's like, picks it up and they're following him. They're in tail. They're trailing behind. And so they drop it and he's too invested. And I think he looks at his wife and says, she says, are we going? I, I got to see what happens. I mean, I've just carried this guy's cross. They're going to crucify. I, I can't leave. There's something about this guy. The whole way up the Via Dolorosa, I don't know what it is, but I got. We got to watch this. I got to. But what about the Passover? I'm not worried about the Passover. Let, we'll get there. Let's just see what happens. The kids are saying, "But Dad, I don't know. They may have been teenagers. They may have been grown adults in their twenties. I don't know, Dad. What? But Dad, what about? I, just hold on." And I think he stood there and watched. And as he did, it had to be eight between 8 and 9 o'clock in the morning because Jesus hung on the cross from 9 to 3. So they crucified Jesus and they suspend him. He watches them drive the nails through his hands into the cross beam. Soldiers lift it up and they drive that stake into the upright and get him suspended. 
put the nails into his feet. He watches him pushing up and down, gasping for breath, blood. He looks gory. He's watching this. He hears the people mocking him, laughing at him, teasing him, calling him names. He's trying to figure it all out. He figures, why doesn't the guy just cuss them all out? But instead he hears him say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. And he's saying, who is this guy? He watches as the sky turns black at noon from 12 to 3, the brightest time of the day. It turns dark as night. He feels the ground tremble and shake with a supernatural earthquake. He's grabbing his wife and kids. What's going on? Who is this guy? He hears all the sayings of Jesus until he hears him, Father, finally say, into your hands, I commit my spirit. But right before then, he heard him say one more thing. He turns to a thief, and I'm going to talk about this next Sunday. A thief who had been ridiculing him. Both of them had been ridiculing him as they're crucified, and yet one of them had a change of heart. He says, this guy isn't a criminal. He's There's some Something different about him and the longer he hung there and saw Jesus on the cross he realized he is the son of God and he said Lord remember me when you come into your kingdom and this Simon heard he watched the whole thing and Jesus said today you're going to be with me in paradise and Simon's going this guy can take you to heaven and he watched him breathe his last he saw a Roman soldier shove a spear up into his side and rip it open and blood water come out. He listened as a Roman soldier stood there with all this going on and said, truly, this man was the son of God. You know what I think happened? I think at that point, Simon gave his life to Jesus Christ. <laughs> he was on his way to Jerusalem for the Passover when he met the lamb. And the lamb changed his life. He carried the physical material cross to Calvary and dropped it. But after he saw Jesus and who he was and what he could do as a savior of the world, he took up a spiritual cross and said, from this day forward, I'll follow him. He said, okay, that sounds good, pastor. What's the proof? Well, if you go to Romans, Acts chapter 13, the church at Antioch had prophets and teachers, and there's a list of them, their names, and Paul's in there, and Barnabas, and then they list these other people. One of them, strangely enough, is a guy named Simon, who's also called Niger. And a lot of scholars think that he never went back to Cyrene, but rather he joined the early church and went to Antioch, where there was a, a strong church. You say, okay, Pastor, but that is not proof, that's conjecture. You're absolutely right, it is. But you got proof staring you in the face in verse 21. Mark, writing to a Christian audience, makes reference to this man, Simon of Cyrene, who was the father of Alexander and Rufus. Mark's audience knew who Alexander and Rufus were. So it's very, very likely that they were prominent men in the early church. Simon was probably an older gentleman, and these were his grown boys. They could have been in their 20s, early 20s, maybe late 20s, early 30s. I don't know. But that day, as they stood, not only did Simon give his life to Jesus, I believe the whole family took up the cross. Parents, listen to me. Show your kids how to carry the cross. They need to watch it in your life. How to sacrifice, how to deny yourself, 
how to take the ridicule, the persecution, how to be bold and not ashamed for Jesus. Don't leave it up to the church. Don't leave it up to the pastor, the student pastor, the children's pastor. Don't leave it up to the elders or the deacons. You show them how to carry the cross. And I believe that day Simon gave his life to Jesus Christ. I want the musicians to come. You need to know this. They forced Simon to carry the cross. He didn't have a choice. I mean, Rome was the winning team. They were the conquering kingdom, the civilization that had won. And so with the force of the Roman army, you had to do whatever they told you to do, and he had to do it. It could have cost him his life. They forced him to carry the cross. Let me, let me just make something clear today. Nobody in this church is going to come back and grab you by the arm and drag you to the altar Stick a gun to your head and say, you either pray through or your life will end today. That's not how it works. You're going to have to choose whether or not you're going to serve him. And let me just tell you, when he knocks at your door, you've got to respond. People say, well, I'll get, I'll get saved. I'll take up that cross when I'm good and ready. Oh, no, you won't. You'll take up a cross and get saved when God is good and ready. Because you are dead in your trespasses and sins. And there is no initiative in you whatsoever. It is when God comes to you. No man comes to the Father unless Jesus and the Spirit draws you. So when the Holy Spirit is convicting you and dealing with you. And you're having one of those moments. And you're like, uh oh. I feel conviction for my sins. I feel this need to get right with God. What's happening with me? That is God dealing with your heart. And that is the moment that you have to choose to either deny him or to accept his offer and take up the cross and follow Jesus. No one will make you. And here's the final thought. Who will carry the cross? Who will carry the cross? I'm going to ask you to do something. This has nothing to do with your salvation. I'm not asking you to get saved. I'm not asking you to, this isn't an invitation for salvation. We're not talking about that. And I'm not, it's nothing to do with that. What I'm about to ask you to do is I'm asking you to make a public proclamation about the cross I'm going to ask you to do something that's going to require you to stand up and say out loud I will carry the cross I'll pray and tell him, God, I'll carry the cross. Make a commitment to him. Tell him, help me to carry the cross every day, Jesus. Not just when it's convenient. Come on, not just on Sundays. Not just when a pastor around or my, my parents are around. I got to live right when they're around, but I live. Come on, say 24-7. Come on, tell him. 
on, tell him. Jesus, I'll carry the cross. Come on, tell him. Pray, y'all. Pray. Let him know. I'll carry the cross. I'm not ashamed. Don't ever let me be ashamed, Jesus. I'm not afraid. I'll sacrifice myself. I don't care what anybody thinks about me. All I care about is what they think about you. Come on, y'all. Pray. I'll carry the cross. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross <laughs> till my trophies at last I lay down I will cling to the old rugged cross <laughs> I'm gonna let go and one day I'll exchange it for a crown. See, that's what's going to happen. You carry the cross every day, good and bad, rain, shine, mountain valleys, when they give you a hard time or when people are patting you on the back, it doesn't matter. You carry the cross every day. And one of these days, the breath is going to leave your body. Lord Jesus is going to come and you're going to stand in his presence and when you do you're not going to stand long you're going to kneel and you're going to drop that cross and say Lord I did it I did it it was hard sometimes I only did it by the help of the Holy Ghost if you hadn't helped me I couldn't have done it but I did it Lord and I carried it all the way home and Jesus is going to say well done thou good and faithful servant lay the cross down and he's going to put a crown on your head and say get up now come into my kingdom and we're going to rule and reign together forever and ever and ever because the cross leads ultimately to the crown you can't get the crown without the cross I want everybody in this house to come to this altar right now fill these altars if you're a guest come with us I want to close out the service down here hallelujah thanks for listening be sure to join us Sunday mornings our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045 for more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.